are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome to another Thursday edition of Locked On NBA. I am Jackson Gatlin, host of Locked On Rockets. He is Matt Moore, senior NBA writer at the Action Network and co-host of Locked On Nuggets. Thanks for making Locked On NBA your first listen every day, free and available on all platforms. Today's episode is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's an unofficial community center. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. Matt, say the line. I'm loving it. <laughs> Love the jingle. Amazing. We've got so much to get to today. I mean, so many, really, honestly, a pretty solid night of action for it being the, you know, I Matt, I kind of think of this as like, Right, we get the opening night of the NBA, this but then we the get like the real, the real like, opening if, night, right? Yeah, if you're an, if you're a hardcore NBA fan, if you're on Twitter, if you're listening to Locked On NBA podcast, tonight's your opening night. Like you could, the casuals can go watch the the superstar teams. You want the nitty gritty. You want those lineups of guys you've never heard of and being like, "Who's this guy? Oh no, he's not good at all." That's and that's just the Rockets game. Like this is the hey, night. Hey, want, okay, shots fired early. All of these guys, you want the slate, and you're flipping back, and you're like, "Oh yeah, I go over here, and then this one, and like, wait, like I flipped over and was like, "Oh, the Knicks game is over. The Knicks have won in regulation. I'll flip over to the Grizzlies game." And then all of a sudden I see Twitter and I'm scrambling to get back over because that game got drunk in a hurry. What an, just what an amazing game to be able to have to talk about a double OT thriller in the garden. One that then like, so first on, on the surface, right? The Knicks have to be happy that they managed to scrape out the win from this game that they, you know, held on. But how upset do you think Tom Thibodeau is that it became a double OT thriller? They should have had that game in the bag. And then due to some defensive miscommunication down the stretch, Marcus Smart gets the wide open three-pointer, able to tie things up and force the overtime. Just complete defensive breakdown at the tail end of that game. So one of the things that I'm going to be really keen on is to actually see what this Knicks defense looks like. Because last year, if you adjust for what statistically – is supposed to be a little bit more luck-oriented stuff. The Knicks were pretty rough uh, last year in terms of what they should have been versus what they actually were. And, like, here's a good example of this, though. I'll say this. The Knicks played way better, I think, than, than you realize. You look at that final score, and you're like, 130 to blah, blah, blah. The Knicks actually held Boston to 82.5 points in the half court tonight, um, Jackson. That's actually really stellar. They just completely lost their freaking minds at the end. And then Marcus Smart, who, by the way, was a train wreck in this game. Like, I hated the flow of how Marcus Smart played. He was making turnovers, didn't shoot well. It was a disaster, but he winds up hitting that shot, being the hero, gives them a chance. Neither team can get separation in overtime. This is a was a just a drunk game. When we talk about the NBA, sometimes the games are just drunk. This was definitely one where... Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown combined for 60 shots, but Jalen Brown makes 16 of them for 46 points. And Jason Tatum only hits seven of 30 and only gets to the line for five times for 20 points. Uh, just it, it, it felt like early on, Jason Tatum did a good job of deferring to Jalen Brown. But then mm -hmm. as the game wore on, 
it was, you know, Tatum kind of, you know, trying to, you know, take over, get, get his and, you know, really be the guy. And it was just evident. He didn't have it tonight. He didn't have it in this game. And thankfully it, it, worth noting, Jalen Brown just got back from being in COVID protocols. Yeah. He only squeezed in one practice before this game was sidelined for 10 days due to COVID, you know, NBA, you know, uh, COVID health and safety protocols, and then comes back in and drops 46 points on insane efficiency in the season opener. Like, what more of a debut can you ask for out of Jalen Brown? He was absolutely, he's got to be the player of the night, I think. Even in even with the Celtics losing, he's got to be the player of the night across all NBA games. The two guys that had COVID and had symptoms and said it was rough for them were Jalen Brown and Gordon Hayward, and Hayward had 27 points and a bonkers win we'll get to in the second segment. And Brown goes for 46. You know, Brown was was having a, a most improved player worthy season last year, and then he got hurt. And it was a weird year last season. Like, this is a really promising start, honestly, because I, I think if you're a Celtics fan, this is a frustrating loss for sure. It's a division game. Never want to lose those. It's the Knicks. That's annoying. Tatum didn't shoot well. You still went to double OT. You had your chances. Tatum didn't shoot well. Nobody else on the team really, I thought, played all that great except for – like I think he, uh, Grant Williams, I thought had a really good game, even though he was minus five. I thought he played really well, not just because he was hitting threes. The effort was there. There was some good stuff that he showed. Um, you know, Dennis Schroeder was minus 16. Schroeder not, had an abysmal game off the bench. Not, like. not great. Um, you know, Marcus Smart had six assists to four turnovers. Nobody else played well on this team except Jalen Brown. And you almost got to win anyway. Tatum's going to be better. The only thing I would say with Tatum is the, the five free throws. That's another... I thought this was going to be better for him. Like that, if he's going to make the leap into MVP conversation, he can't be having five free throws. He's got to be getting at least to the line like seven times, eight times a night because he's so big and so physical. It's baffling that he'll settle. He was two of 15 from three. That's not going to hold. He'll shoot better in the future. He and Devin Booker actually had kind of similar nights when you, you kind of look at it. Um, but ultimately, this is. I think this is not a – like. Sh- like you, the Celtics should not be shook off of this loss. No, it's it's more- kind of a cliche. Then this is like a bad win for the Knicks and a good loss for the Celtics, right? I'll disagree on the Knicks just because. Really? It, it, yeah, here's why. If you're looking at the Knicks, you had this game in hand. You just had to not play like you were on mescaline in the last 90 seconds, and you would have been fine. And they just couldn't do that. But like, look, RJ Barrett has 19 points on six of 11 plus eight. Julius Randle goes for 35. On 12 of 27, uh, nine assists for Randall plus 10. Kemba didn't play well. That's okay. 10, 8, and 3, 3 of 8 from the field. Because you got 32 points from Evan Fournier, 13 of 25, and a plus 11. The starters killed it. You had bench issues, but you got good minutes from Obi Toppin, who wound up playing 28 minutes, 6 of 9 from the field. Nice. 14 points and 5 boards. Toppin, I thought, with the alley-oops and his physicality, like he was a real boost to them. This was a game, honestly, that based off of projections, the Celtics should have won. And the Knicks got, they showed right off the bat, Julius Randle does not look like last year was a fluke. And it's the first game, but this is this is what you want to see. You want to see that Julius Randle can be an all-star again because he's going to need to be a foundational player for you. You paid Evan Fournier all this money. Came up big for you. And even though it went to overtime, which you didn't need it to, the Knicks still came out with a win at home versus a division opponent. That's a quality win. Okay. I guess I just had more concerns with, you know, how things devolved and then forced the double overtimes for the Knicks, but I'll give it to you. And maybe I was being a little bit too, a little bit too harsh with calling it a bad win. You're right. It, it, it is a good pickup win for the Knicks on their opening night against 
a divisional opponent. And again, the Celtics, you look at everything that they did down the line. The Jalen Brown thing is just absurd. And you've got to be, you've got to be optimistic about how those guys are going to plan out pan out moving forward. Cause again, Jason Tatum's going to bounce back from this. He's yeah, not going to I mean, have look, another stinker, like the, a two of 15 night from behind yeah. the arc. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and look, Tatum, Tatum's a minus three. They, they lost the Tatum minutes by three points. I care. The reason I always care about plus minus, and it's a, a stat that's obviously debated a lot. The reason I always care about plus minus is because it literally is a measure of did you win the minutes? And if you you need to win your minutes with Jason Tatum on the floor versus the Knicks, you need to win those minutes. And despite him shooting seven of thirty and two of fifteen from behind the arc, now that's a lot of three point attempts, I might add. But you're only minus three. You can you flip that and you get a win in this game. So. Uh, that's where I come out on this is I, I think ultimately Tatum will play better. You got a really promising performance at a Brown. Robert Williams was good. This was a weird game, but it was a fun game. It was crazy. Um, I think if you're the Celtics, you could say, look, we probably shouldn't have even gotten that to overtime. We got to be better, but you know what to fix. Your bench has to be better. Tatum's got to be better and you should be okay. I wonder Kimba Walker, you know, expecting a bounce back from him or because he was kind of a question mark, right? He had a bit of a rough night, you know, and then down the line going with the safety net of Derrick Rose for for Tom Thibodeau, like, you know, Derrick Rose with the go ahead bucket down the end to to seal the game. Like, what does that dynamic look like moving forward for the Knicks? Is is Kimba Walker going to be the guy or at some point do we see that dynamic shift for the New York Knicks? I mean, I think you give Kimba some time to, to settle in. Uh, I, one important thing here. Kemba played 35 minutes and only had eight shots. And you're like, why wasn't he shooting more? Like if Randall and Fournier are playing like that, don't you want Kemba Walker taking a step back? Like, don't you want him, you know, letting the rest of this team go? And RJ Barrett continues to really impress me. I thought he played really well tonight, especially on the defensive end. It's um, worth noting though, that Fournier didn't start to really explode from like behind the arc until the OT, right? So it's like yeah. he had what, four, four of his triples in the double OTs, five of them. No, four of them. So, you know, he did have a solid night by the end of the extra 10 minutes of regulation play. But up until that point, maybe the shot distribution could have been a little bit more even to get Kimba more so in the flow of things. I mean, I think that's a question, right? Is I, I just don't think that you're in a mode where Kemba's going to have to, like if, if Randall's going to play like this, you honestly don't need Kemba Walker to be 2017 Kemba Walker. Like he could have an off night. If you get good, good minutes from him. Great. But I actually think going to Rose is probably a pretty good move. Rose didn't shoot well from the Rose shot worse from the field than than Walker did. But Rose has more chemistry and has been with the team more. Kemba will settle in, and I think he'll have more good nights than bad. Ultimately, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the injuries are just he's never going to be the same guy. But um, first game, lots of guys had <laughs> lots of really good players had weird nights tonight in the first night in the NBA. Yeah, and we're going to get to two more of those games here in just a moment. We've got Pacers, Hornets, as well as Nuggets, Suns coming up around the break in just a moment after a quick message from our friends over at McDonald's because this episode of Locked on NBA is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's a place where friends and family can come to reconnect. Look, I, I remember McDonald's down the street growing up. I would go there all the time with my dad right after school. We'd pick up you know, fresh pack of you know 10 pack of nuggets and whatnot go home eat them i mean who doesn't have fond memories of picking up food from mcdonald's the mcchickens now even i i can't drive past mcdonald's without immediately craving a spicy mcchicken sandwich i don't know about you matt what's your favorite thing on a mcdonald's menu 
Uh, I want them to bring back the spicy chicken nuggets immediately. Those were incredible, <laughs> and I need them in my life very much, very badly. Uh, I had a friend of mine in high school. We used to skip out um, of journalism class and go get double quarter pounders with cheese, no onions. And while I am 40 and cannot responsibly eat those anymore, every now and again when my kids are, are starving and, and are crying out for McDonald's, I'll grab one and text my buddy, and it's still like this connection for for that like that's that that holds a very special place in uh my heart because of it all right i mean it even now like if, if i if i have a go-to meal at mcdonald's i go you know get in and i order the texas homestyle burger that's that's my go-to get the extra mustard extra onions extra pickles just cannot go wrong guy. with it it's so good I, hey i'm a texas guy right I, I gotta rep the i gotta stay i gotta stay strong with the brand right matt um so head over to your local mcdonald's to refuel and reconnect and somebody say locked on nba watch party i'm loving it And continuing on here at Locked On NBA Thursday, he is Matt Moore. I am Jackson Gatlin. We got two more really good games to talk about here in this segment. We got, we'll start with uh, Charlotte Hornets and Indiana Pacers, a game that had some sizable leads and then came down to the wire at the tail end. A really impressive performance from LaMelo Ball, who dropped in 31, a, damn near a triple-double in this game. Really just completely on fire from behind the arc. and then. On the other side of things, for the Pacers, Chris Duarte had a really phenomenal game. Um, we had Devonta Sabonis have a really stell a stellar night. Uh, just a really all-around solid game. And overall, I'm, I'm more impressed with the Hornets scraping out the win in this one, especially because they clawed their way back from being down so big in the first half. Uh, I am not. Really? So I will just tell you, I am more disappointed in the Pacers. This is an okay. atrocious loss. This is a horrible loss. It's not that you're, it's not the loss, right? The Hornets are a mid-tier team. They'll probably hang around. They're projected in the 30s. Like home opener is always tough to go on the road and get a win on the home opener, on another team's home opener. I get it. The, the Pacers are down. TJ Warren, they've had uh, Karis LaVert out. Right. Those are two key players like starters that are not playing. I get it. You had a 23 point lead. Take care of business. Good God, Indiana. Coffee's for closers. Like, what are you doing? I, I their win probability was 90 percent in the third quarter up to 23. And then they come back and late in the game, they have the lead again. Like it's 121 18 with 116 to go. They're 78 percent to to uh, to win at that point. Like. Take care of business. It was really disappointing to see this. This Pacers team in the first half was moving the ball. They were attacking. They were doing everything that you should do versus the Charlotte team. And all you had to do was generate some level of offense in the last nine minutes of the third quarter. And you're coasting to, a, to your first win. But you let them get the crowd back into it. You let LaMelo Ball go absolutely berserk. Your defense broke down. Your offense got sloppy. You were taking turnovers and bad shots. Uh, to me, this is a like of all the openers, this is one of the worst ones of the night. And not just because I bet the Pacers money line, my friend, but because in general, you know, this line actually, it was the Pacers were dogs and then it flipped and the Pacers were favorites. And the reason I bring this up from a from a non betting perspective is the Pacers should be better than this. Like they have a really good roster. They've got Malcolm Brogdon and Miles Turner and, and Demonis Sabonis, who was a monster tonight. And you wind up getting waxed by a team that's got Hayward that happened to have one of his good nights because he's healthy for now. Um, Lamelo was spectacular. Like, this is part of the thing, though. I'll say this. 
if Lamella makes this kind, if this is the Lamella we're getting, then you have to re-examine the expectations for Charlotte because if he's at this level, then he's taking over games and deciding them almost all on his own. Like they did not get a lot from anybody else in this game. Yeah, like, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I'm ready to buy that that version of Lamelo quite just yet. I mean, that 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 24-0 run in the third, which again was a stark contrast to how the Pacers played in the, in the first half and how they defended. And they just, it was, it was abysmal for them in that third quarter. But the fact that ball put up 12, half of those points himself, his own like personal 12 0 run in that 24 0 run span. I don't know if we can like reasonably expect that on a nightly right. basis, basis from him just yet, but I still think it was impressive by the Hornets. It was a breakdown from the Pacers, but like you got to give, you got to give the Hornets their flowers for not hanging their heads down 20 at home. Like, right they they powered through and then they came up with the win at the tail end i thought they had it locked when malcolm brogdon hit the go-ahead three at the tail end and then he came back down had a really strong defensive possession stripped uh i'm I'm not sure which play which uh player it was for the hornets that was driving to the basket had a really strong defensive possession stripped the ball like and i was sitting there and that was when i was thinking okay pacers are gonna pull this out it got dicey there for a second but they're gonna pull it out and then one thing leads to another and you're talking about a, a hornets win instead of a pacers win on the road they forced a miss, and Chris Duarte's got the ball. Like, he's got the ball in his hands, and Duarte can't hold on, get stripped, and that leads to a, to the bucket that goes ahead. Like, I mean, it was a – I'll say this, though. I understand what you're saying in terms of, like, that was impressive and coming back. Impressive is not going down 23, right? Like, your win probability when you go down 23 points at home in the third quarter is pretty low. So – this is there's just a lot of variance in the NBA in the regular season, and this is one that I'm definitely willing to chalk up as like this was a weirdo result. I think you have to upgrade the, the Hornets a little bit, right? Because of Ball's performance specifically, and I think you got to downgrade the Pacers a little bit just because they had no composure once things started to go sideways. The level to which they absolutely melted down uh, was distressing. Do you think that's something that you're expecting like Carlisle to kind of fix and work on a little bit over time? Because he's still new, right? He's still kind of getting these guys indoctrinated in what he's all about. I mean, is that a reasonable expectation or do you think? Not like they're not young, Jackson. Like this is, you know, Brogdon's been in the league five, six years. And like all these guys are experienced. These guys have been to the playoffs, you know? They know better than this. Like this is just... um I think Chris Duarte is like a veteran rookie. So I guess right, right. right. <laughs> it's a good point. Yeah. So I, I just think it's, uh, I don't think Carlisle is going to fix it. If anything, I think it's going to cause more tension. Right. Cause like Carlisle is going to be like, what, what are you doing? Like he's going to lose his, uh, he has to lose his mind after that game. So, you know, we'll see how the dynamic plays out. Um, I think it's, I want to give them a break just because of TJ Warren and Karis LeVert, but I, I think the Pacers, lost a game that they very that they should have won several times and for the where they're at in terms of the standings in the in the east and playoff positioning these type of games could wind up swinging that this could be the difference between the four seed and the seven like this could be the difference in the play-in for them this is where i always talk about you know these games count too and there's this idea that well it's the first game and it's early these games count too. This is an Eastern Conference opponent. The Hornets have intentions of making the playoffs. What if you're battling them for positioning and they've got the tiebreaker over you because of this weirdo game? So uh, I, I have a lot of, I have nothing but angst, I think, for the Pacers for how this one came out. 
All right, that brings us to our next game here in this segment. We got the Denver Nuggets on top of the Phoenix Suns, 110 to 98. The Denver Nuggets, a team that I'm very bullish on because look, the Houston Rockets are going to be in the cellar of the Western Conference. So I have to find a team to like kind of not, maybe not cheer for, but just kind of keep an eye on and be like, you know what? This is the team that I want to see do well. I really like what the Nuggets got going on. And this was an impressive win over the Phoenix Suns. I did not think they were going to win this game. I thought the Nuggets were going to lose this game by double digits. I thought that without any guards to really attack Phoenix, it was going to be a repeat of what we saw in the uh, Western Conference semifinals. The Nuggets starters were just brilliant in this. It, it was Jokic and MPJ who looked much more settled in in terms of the offense. Aaron Gordon had a very quiet statistical night. His effort in the fourth quarter, there was a block that was obviously a goaltend. However, the effort on that block, block fired up the team. And he get what? I was going to say just put that block, though, like even though it didn't count, but well, crazy clear block. just the fact that he yeah. got there and swatted it. Right. Yeah. And then but he also had like tip in tips to uh, uh, to teammates for rebounds that won't go on his stat sheet that were huge. He played with effort, physicality and intensity. And the Suns looked gassed at the end of that game. Um, Booker did not have a good night. That's if you're the Suns, that's your message is like, OK, not great to lose the home opener to the Nuggets. That's not ideal. Uh, we'll see them again. And Devin Booker was three of 15 for 12 points. Like, okay, that we're, we're going to get better out of Devin Booker the next time Two of seven from three point range for Booker. That one's, you know, he missed a, a big shot that would have put them back in the single digits and really put some pressure on Denver late. Um, Mikhail Bridges, I thought was, was really good offensively, but defensively struggled more than I expected. He struggled with guarding MPJ um, MPJ you know, 15 points, but six to 10 shooting, two of three, did a lot of the other stuff, didn't have defensive mistakes, five assists for MPJ, like move the ball, made the extra pass. Like that was a, a large part of why Nikola Jokic only had two assists. It was because the Nuggets were getting secondary assists all over the place. But the unsung hero, Will Barton, who said on Saturday, I was at, I was at Nuggets practice and he was asked, are you looking forward to this game versus the Suns after what happened last year? And he said, yeah, we're, you know, how do you feel about going back to Phoenix? And he said, we're looking forward to it. And they asked him, have you talked about it? Katie Wingy of Altitude asked him, have you, have you guys talked about this? He's like, yeah, we've discussed it internally. This is pretty rare. Barden would usually kind of, when Barden was asked about the Blazers being a rivalry, he was like, nah, man, come on. It's just another team. You face these guys all the time. It's just another team. Made it pretty clear that they wanted to get this one. Like they, they, the Nuggets were not happy with how the Suns acted, nor were they happy with how they played in that Western Conference semifinals when they were swept out of their own building. Um, so good start for Denver Jokic for all the talk about how Aiden played Jokic looked amazing, just controlled the game. Like he does hit some, some great shots. Um, the Nuggets bench was really bad until the second half when, uh, Michael Malone put Will Barton with the second unit and that helped keep them afloat was kind of surprised at how Phoenix struggled a little bit like their starters i mean chris paul got outscored by 23 points when he was on the floor tonight that's that's a little surprising um so starters lost and you're if you're losing the starters minutes you're losing the majority uh thought this was a really quality win for for denver if there's a silver lining for the phoenix suns right you look at you look at exactly the night that chris paul had devin booker and you have a reasonable expectation that booker's gonna bounce back right an off night for devin booker jay crowder 05 didn't contribute 
at all offensively, right? Except for a couple free throws. But then you look at their bench production, right? You go down to Landry Shamit, Cameron Payne, Cam Johnson, and you got those guys. And then you look at the minutes for campaign and Landry Shamit, where they were plus 11, plus 12 for across both of those guys. Maybe there's a bit of a silver lining there. I thought Shamit was a really good pickup for the Suns, and I like him moving forward for them. I think he, he'll be able to give them some really nice production out of those bench minutes. But then you look at, again, the starters, the production level just wasn't there against a Denver Nuggets team that clearly the starters did all produce at a really elite level. I love Aaron Gordon for this Nuggets team. I think that he is finally in a position away from where he was at the Orlando. I mean, I love the pickup when it happened and now he gets to do, you know, have a starting starting full season with the Nuggets, you know, clean, you know, training camp, all that stuff. But he gets to finally slot in and just do and just excel at what he's great at, right? He doesn't have to be a defatly a number one or number two option. He can just slot in. He can play really impressive defense. He can hustle. He can make the little plays. He can be a solid rebounder and he's a great cutter, right? And so then you have Nikola Jokic feeding Aaron Gordon as an elite cutter, a freak athlete who can get to the rim very easily. And magical things happen when you've got that combination of players. Phoenix was tired. They admitted to being tired. Jackson, do you think this has to do with the short turnaround time from the finals to now based off of the adjusted COVID schedule? Like, do you think that has something to do with it? I think it absolutely has. If when you look at how quickly some of the team, you know, the two teams that just finished their finals race, and we had the same thing happen this past season, right? We still haven't had a normal NBA offseason. We still haven't had a true like extended offseason where players get their act, you know, the appropriate amount of rest and everything. But the flip side of that is, okay, maybe it's just an excuse. Maybe it's, oh, we're, you know, we're tired, you know, whatever. I, I think at the end of the day, the Suns are still going to be a great team, but they just didn't have the juice in this one. I yeah, mean, it's easy. Because maybe like, it is COVID. I mean, yeah, it, it's, easy just, it, it's easy to just be like, you know, they were, they were tired. It, they won't be as tired next time. Teams, you know, don't always have the energy necessary. The Nuggets definitely did. They had extra motivation. That's fine. Um, it'll be something to watch though, I think to see how Phoenix does because the ball stopped. They talked about that, uh, some disengagement tonight. And then on top of it, not to go narrative street, but you got the Deandre Ayton thing hanging over everything. Like, it's just, it's weird. It's not the vibes that I think you want. If you're Phoenix trying to defend the Western conference title, because like, look, we can talk about the short off season bucks look pretty, pretty, <laughs> they're shorthanded and they still look like monsters on Tuesday night. So uh, I'm going to be really interested to see how the next couple of games go for Phoenix as well as Denver, honestly. I do hope for the Suns that the Aiton situation isn't like this looming cloud over the organization for this season. I mean, if he, you know, goes out and shows out and proves that he's worth the money, then, you know, all good, good for him. Maybe, maybe the, maybe that is added motivation for him to go out, but maybe it goes the other way, right? Maybe he, you know, I don't want to say regresses, but is frustrated by the situation. So, you know, maybe they don't get the best version of him on the floor because of that whole situation going on with the, you know, situation regarding his uh, contract extension. So we'll see. Yeah, for sure. When we come back, it's our patented segment. It's NBA stock watch time. I'm going to try and sell Jackson on some propositions, some takes on the NBA and see if I can get him to buy, sell, short or hold on various takeaways overreactions from NBA full slate game night one. We'll do that when we come back on locked on NBA. 
First, a message from our friends over at Calm, because do you want to know how LeBron James, King James himself, uh, you know, makes what makes him so special, right? Sleep. That's right. Sleep is his superpower. Calm is the number one app for sleep and meditation and has teamed up with LeBron James to help you activate the power of sleep. LeBron and Calm know that your mind is like any other muscle in your body, but you don't have to be a world champion to learn how to train it. Calm can help you train your brain so you sleep better, reduce your stress, and perform at your best, just like King James. For LeBron, sleep is a critical part of his mental fitness routine. So if you head to calm.com slash locked on NBA for a limited time, you'll get 40% off a calm premium subscription with calm. You have access to nature scenes that LeBron loves like rain or leaves and so much more like sleep stories and meditation. So you can be ready for any challenges that life throws your way. Again, for a limited time, our listeners can join LeBron and using calm and get a 40% discount on a calm premium subscription at calm.com slash locked on NBA unlock content to help you focus, ease stress, and sleep better. Get started at calm.com slash locked on MBA. That's calm.com slash locked on MBA. You know, for a few weeks now, we've been talking about sweat block, these wipes that stop sweat for seven days, and people have been listening. And we've got some friends of locked on who have tried sweat block and love it. Like straight out of Hollywood, we've actually got a producer who's working on the set of a Marvel movie that maybe you heard of it. She was working 18 hour days for weeks in the Atlanta heat. Ugh, oh, the other humidity. She heard about sweat blocks, started trying it, and loves it. No more sweaty production days. She even reports that one of the A-list actors uses it. And it's a good thing because he won't get angry about his sweat condition because he wouldn't like him when he's angry. But she uses it to stay dry, and he uses it to stay dry on the red carpet. It's guaranteed for seven days per use. Doctor created, doctor recommended, dry shirt guarantee. It's not just for armpits, my friend. Chest, back, feet, hands. Use it anywhere. And I mean anywhere ew that sweats if you or someone you care about is dealing with excessive sweat you gotta check out sweat block get it today for 20 percent off at sweatblock.com with promo code locked on or at amazon and cvs we'll be right back on locked on nba welcome back to locked on nba jackson gatlin and matt moore coming at you thanks for making locked on nba your first listen each and every day we appreciate it we're free and available on all platforms now make your second listen locked on fantasy basketball josh lloyd hosts the number one daily fantasy basketball show on the planet it's free and available on all platforms it's time for our weekly segment nba stock watch all right so each week we present a number of takes and the idea is buy sell hold or short I'm going to try and get Jackson to bite on some of these. I think I can sell him on some of these and get him to be a buyer, but we'll see at the end of it, which way he chooses to go. Jackson, you ready? I am absolutely not prepared whatsoever. So let's get to it. All right, let's do it. The Blazers lost tonight to the Sacramento Kings was the, was the least damaging loss by a home team tonight. Here's the case, okay? You look at this number and you watch this game and you're like, up, oh, same old Blazers, can't get stops. Can't get stops. Defense isn't fixed. Wasn't just the coach, turns out. Neil O'Shea, I'm looking at you. Can't be blaming Terry Stotts for everything. I started digging actually into the numbers on this. Here's what happened in this game. The Blazers played stupid, didn't get back in transition. You allowed a fast team to run, and they got a bunch of points because they're really good in transition. The Blazers' problem has been transition, has been half-court defense. And tonight, the Kings actually had a 96.9 offensive rating in the half-court. The half-court was actually okay, but they gave up 20 fast-break points. 
they were plus 8.5 in transition points and they were averaging 181.8 transition points per 100 <laughs> possessions. Not, not ideal not per 100 transition possessions. Not, not ideal when you're getting that kind of scoring. You can't, you can allow 1.5. It's going to be higher for transition. There's a lot of runouts. You can't allow 1.8. That's absolutely atrocious. But it was more bad luck than anything. And at the end, in a very another drunk game of the night, we had very a lot of great drunk NBA tonight. Uh, the Blazers still had a chance to steal that game in the end before the Kangs managed to hang on. The Kangs are, are probably hey, hey, not. They, they won. They won. You don't get to call them the Kangs, okay? They won. Okay. The Kings. So that's fair. That's fair. They were Kangsing, and then they won. So they're the Kings. But I'll say this: like you know, the Kings. They've got talent. They do have star players. They do have not well, they have a star player. They do have some things going for them. They're not a bottom feeder like some teams that we'll talk about in a second. So I think that there's I, I don't think this loss was as bad as it looked on the surface. I will buy. I will buy that I will buy that it's not as bad as it looks on the surface, but I still have extreme concerns about the backcourt of Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum just defensively from a defensive perspective. And even though you trotted out the, the half court defensive number in, in this one, I still think from the perspective of keep keeping up with different guys in transition, right? The number of times that, and, and, and also how things get actually like categorized versus, you know, transition and half court possessions and stuff at the NBA, I feel like can be a little ambiguous at times because there were definitely some possessions in this game that I saw like Harrison Barnes get loose for a what I mean, Harrison Barnes had himself a night from beyond the arc and, you yeah. know, didn't hit anything in the first half and then just absolutely torched everything in front of him in the second half. Eight of 11 shooting on the way to 36 points in this one. But there were so many defensive breakdowns by the Blazers where he just gets wide open. Like, and it's inexcusable at that point, right? And I feel like some of those may have been categorized as transition opportunities or fast break points, what have you, uh, as far as just how the data is collected. But there were definitely opportunities where they could have settled themselves and been in their quote unquote, like half court defense. And people just weren't picking them up They They weren't matching up man to man. They weren't getting back to their guys in transition, but I have concerns about this team defensively just at a, at a baseline level. And I don't necessarily think a head coaching change is going to remedy that right away. If at all. The second one, I, I, I think I, those are really good points, actually. Like, I think that the context on those numbers, I think, is really important. And the, the, the points about Barnes, that matches what I saw as well. That's a really good point. Second one, uh, this, is, this is a very not sneaky way of me forcing you to talk about the Rockets. Um, the Timberwolves hype was justified, and they are legit. Let's get total hyper overreactionary to one game, Jackson. The Wolves are here. Ow! I was waiting for an awu. I was hoping we were going to get to do an awu in this one. Um, look, from what I saw against the Timberwolves, um, the hype. It, right. I, I, wait. Are you which which one are you selling me on? The hype is justified. It is justified. Yes. Right. Yeah, I'm buying that with with without a doubt. I'm buying it. Um, I think that Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns, and D'Angelo Russell, even though it was against the Rockets. They have a level of chemistry together, and I think the biggest standout though was their defense, and because I'm a I'm a firm believer that so much about defense is just about buying in and about effort and communication, right? And that'll show whether you're playing 
a team like the Rockets, who's going to be a bottom feeder this season, or an elite team, right? That level of defense will show. And they played with so much physicality in this game. Okogi was incredible. Vanderbilt was phenomenal, like completely getting into Rockets players, making them uncomfortable, forcing turnovers, doing so many different things in this game. And then their big three, Cat and Ant played phenomenal games. And then D'Lo just kind of... He kind of coasted in this one. He wasn't necessarily, you know, he was facilitating a little bit here and there. And then he had a brief stint in the third quarter where he just could not miss from beyond the arc. So I'm buying into it. I think they've got a nice foundation. And I think this is probably, I think this is probably the most talented Minnesota Timberwolves team that they've had in like the last decade, even more so than the, the team that did scrape by as an eighth seed and ultimately got waxed in the playoffs in the first round uh, back with Jimmy Butler. So, wow. Impressive. Okay, that's a that's a take. You you one up me there. Um, I have to ask you: Are you concerned about the Rockets? No, I mean this is a rebuild. And, you know, they're the the Rockets are at the very start of their rebuilding process. Um, there's concerns. If if there's one concern that I do have, it's just that there's not any shooting on the Rockets roster, and that's that's not even like a rebuilding concern. That's just a like they don't have shooters. And so that as far as just how, how they're going to look on a nightly basis and how awful their spacing is going to look from time to time, that is concerning. But past that, no, it's going to be a rebuild. They're going to have hiccups. There's going to be growing pains. Jalen green is still incredibly athletic. Alperin Shingun is the second coming of Nikola Jokic and everything else, everything else in clutch city all as well, man. I've never seen so much hype for a rookie that played 18 minutes was three of four for 11 points and minus eight. I it's just, you guys are out of control. So Last one for you. Uh, the Chicago Bulls got a win tonight, 94-88 in Detroit. Did be a team on its home opener, but it was the Detroit Pistons without Cade Cunningham. Nobody played well, in my opinion, except for Patrick Williams, Zach Levine, and Io Dissumnu had some moments, and Lonzo Ball had some flashes. Um it was close. The Bulls had to pull, pull away late. So my take I'm trying to sell you on. Chicago had better be a lot better if they're going to go where they want to go. This was not, even though they got the win, not a good enough start for the Bulls. This is a bad win. I'm going to sell that one. Okay. Because ultimately, I think this is a group of guys and you're throwing a lot of different brand new guys all together. And even though... Zach Levine had to resort to, you know, superhero level play for, for them to scrape out the W in this one. I think that they tried some things. I think that when Billy Donovan opted to go early in the game, he's, he went with DeRozan and like the bench unit was, I thought was an interesting uh, dynamic to have DeRozan out there kind of like leading the group of reserves. Um, I think he's kind of working out how this group is going to play together. Right. So I agree that they need to play better. I don't think it's a, bad loss though for the season over for a lot of the reasons we discussed earlier in this episode right there have been a lot of weird games all across the NBA I thought we saw some flashes from like Lonzo some really good I thought I thought we saw some really solid defensive possessions out of him early I think the, we saw some really solid play shutting down Jeremy Grant early he looked uncomfortable for the you know beginning stage of this game and maybe you're looking at it like okay the Pistons are going to be a bottom dweller in this in this year's NBA so they should have waxed the Pistons if they have aspirations of being a playoff team no they just came out of the gate they're still really learning how to play with each other and the fact that I think you walk away with a silver lining the fact that Zach Levine can still go superhero mode if he needs to 
DeMar DeRozan's capable of doing that same thing, right? They've got a number of different guys who are capable of having big nights and they just kind of had a really ugly outing in this one, right? They weren't hitting yeah. shots. They didn't generate quality looks, I think, for like the entire first half. Things got a little better in the second half. They started to gel a little bit more, but I, I'm not as nearly as concerned about this loss as I think you are for the Bulls. I'm not ready to uh, sell the Bulls stock yet. I'm still bought in. It's not a loss, even. It's a win. So they're fine. Sorry, Nikola Vucevic, seven to trying to trying to field. sell me on the idea of it being a bad loss. I apologize or a bad yeah. bad win. I apologize. Win. There you go. Um, seven twenty one from the field for Vooch. He just like missed bunnies that he'll usually make. It was a lot of shots for him, but that's because they were open, and usually those are going to go down and they're going to be fine. Their assist total was low because of that. They were generating great looks for Vooch, who was then missing bunnies. Their defense was much better than I expected, including like Levine had a pretty spectacular block, and he was actually really engaged. I will say this, as the game went on, the Bulls' defense got more engaged. First half, I thought they were very lethargic. They were they were backing up and letting the Pistons get into their – like, I was impressed with the Pistons in this one. I'll tell you that. Like, I, I thought Sadiq Bey was really good in this one. Only 13 points on 6 of 15 shooting. That doesn't sound good. It looked a lot better to me when I saw it. And then Isaiah Stewart, 6 of 9, 12 points. Saw some stuff out of him as well. I think that bench unit's going to be good with Kelly Olenek and Corey Joseph. I thought that coming in. Um yeah, we'll see how it looks with Cade, but I was uh, I was a little encouraged. The Pistons ran out of steam late, but not bad. I think the Bulls just got to be – they've got to crank it up and get more. Of the, I'm hoping that the, for the home opener they'll have more energy because when they're moving the ball, I think they can be pretty special. But, yeah, Levine, 34 points, was absolute – I thought he was spectacular tonight. Like, he he took them home in this game. 34 points, I, 11 to 17, 7 and 4. I will say, and this is something that, you know, I don't want to harp on, I, I, you know, the guy just dropped 34 points, but I did notice there were a few possessions in that first half um, that I saw where when they, when the Pistons got Levine and Vooch in the action defensively, like it didn't look great. So I think that's going to be maybe a potential weak spot that teams are going to look to exploit is if they can get Vooch and Zach Levine together in the action, then that might be a sore spot for them and that they might need to figure out ways to kind of cover that up. But past that, I didn't see any, you know, glaring holes in the bulls defense. All right. So you're buying the wolves and you're, uh, buying blazer stock at a low, at a low, this is a low point. You're buying low. low great. Yes. And you're selling, uh, the bulls bad win. So you're Correct. buying, you're, you're effectively buying bull stock tonight. Yeah, because I'm not this 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 win. Even though it was an ugly win, I think ugly is better. Are you buying or holding? That's a good thing on the Bulls. Are you buying or holding? That's actually a better point. I think I want to hold. I think I'm actually gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna retroactively I'm gonna hold on the Bulls because didn't play, I, didn't, didn't play great. Still got the win. Levine did his thing. We'll see how it goes. That sounds fair. Yeah, that's that, and that's that's a pretty accurate. I feel like that 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 matches how I feel about that game overall. For an, for an opening night game and for what they actually came away doing, yeah, the bench production needs to be better, absolutely. That's What was the most impressive player you saw tonight? Jalen Brown? <sighs> it's still Jalen Brown. Like I go you go through the whole night of games and it still has to be Jalen Brown. Although Zach Levine did put together a masterpiece like to to salvage this this game for the Bulls. So it's I have got to be those top, two guys. I have and one then, to top it. Oh, okay. Who are you topping it with? Is it Alper and Shingoon? Didn't didn't score forty six, <laughs> but John Morant thirty seven points, seventeen to twenty nine from the field, six boards, six assists, and a couple of absolute ridiculous highlight dunks. Got the win versus uh, the Cavaliers. Got the win, which Jalen Brown did not. So 
Uh, I'm actually going to give most impressive performance tonight. M.I.P. to John Morant. You know what? I've got another sleeper. I'm actually going to go with another sleeper. And even though I'm still I'm still giving my like the best performance I saw to Jalen Brown, but Carl Anthony Towns. He yeah, dominated the game, and yeah, then he, he he had he had thirty and ten to go with two assists, two steals, two blocks in twenty nine minutes played. Woo! Had he had he kept going, he could have easily cleared forty. So I, I'm just going to put that out there. Cat was dominant. Ant was dominant. Uh, the T Wolves are very real. I I, I ooh by the yeah, T Wolves. Yes, actually gave us a woo. All right, let's go. Even though they drummed the hell out of the Rockets, I will drop an awu in here. So. Uh, yeah, no, Cat Cat was phenomenal. That's gonna wrap it up for Locked On NBA. Make sure to download, subscribe, rate, review, do all the things that you need to do to help us out. Tell a friend, be like, hey, you know what's great? Locked On NBA. Just Thursday. Just kidding. <laughs> Listen to all the shows tomorrow. We get the crew back for another great episode. We got another night of great action on Thursday. We're back, Jackson. I'm very excited. NBA season is back. It's better than ever. It's going to be phenomenal. And we're going to have you covered for all the action and more always here at Locked on NBA. But if you want to follow Matt on Twitter for all his tirades and musings, you can check him out at HP Basketball. You can follow me at JT Gatlin for all the Rockets and NBA musings that I have. But that's going to do it for our episode today. As always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. We look forward to having you back right here at Locked on NBA. 